This is The Guardian. Today, how the Libyan city of Derna was washed away in a night. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Before we start, heads up. This episode contains very vivid descriptions of damage and death, so listen with care. Derna is beloved in all of the cities of Libya. I always love to say that I'm from Derna because if, if you are from there, you will be loved immediately. Joha Ali is a freelance journalist. Because of his critical reporting of Libyan authorities, now he lives in exile in Istanbul. I left Derna, not because I wanted so, no, because I was forced to leave it, because I'm a journalist who don't know how to put his voice low when authorities want him to do so. But distance hasn't diminished his love for the place. It's a small city that lays on the shores of the Mediterranean, on the northern shores of Libya, laid between mountains. We see it as a pearl. We see it as something outstanding, not just because of its location, but also because the uh, harmony that we have in Derna between different tribes and different origins, different cultures, is something that you don't see in many other cities surrounding us. Derna is the city of poets, the city of arts, the city of culture. What does the city look like now? The city lost its heart. Imagine a body without a heart. That's Derna right now. The city lost about 25 to 30% of its buildings, of its people, of its streets, banks, schools. That all was taken by the flood and thrown into the sea. On September 10, a storm in the Mediterranean overwhelmed two dams outside Derna. Waves up to 30 metres high swept into the city, washing at least a quarter of it away. The World Health Organization says nearly 4,000 people are confirmed dead. The Libyan Red Crescent puts the death toll at nearly 12,000 people, with another 10,000 missing. For those who grew up in Derna, who were exiled from there, like Joha, it's a tragedy almost beyond comprehension. A friend of mine who lost all of his family in this incident, and he lives with me here, He lost mother and father and sister and brothers and wife and little baby. He didn't lose them alone. He lost them while losing his aunt and her family. 
and his uncle and his family because they lived in the house just next to them. Johar's painstaking reporting of what happened in Derna is extraordinary and harrowing. Honestly, I've never heard anything like it. Whole parts of a city washed away in minutes. An extreme climate event colliding in Libya with decades of neglect. From The Guardian, I'm Michael Safi. Today in Focus, the destruction of Derna. Joha, I'm I'm so sorry for you and your friends and I mean this just seems like the most appalling tragedy. Can you tell me about how this flood unfolded in Derna? We heard that there is a storm called Daniel, uh, the Mediterranean storm coming to Derna. People thought that there is a storm coming and by the evening of the day that we expected the storm to come we had like big amounts of rain. The temperature was high, like a tropical storm would be. That's something that we are not accustomed to have. People thought that they were safe. If you look for Darna, even on Google Maps, you will see that the city is divided into two parts and it's connected by bridges. The two parts are divided by Darna Valley. That's what we call it. That valley, in the beginning of it, we have a huge dam. So when the dam is full of water, the officials leave some amounts of water to go and, you know, to make the pressure low. They make some water run through the dam and go through the valley. By the night of the 10th of September, the amounts of water that people saw in the night was the amounts of reducing the pressure. Even though there are amounts of reducing pressure, they were huge amounts. So people started to document the event. People neighboring the, the valley, which are almost all are dead right now or under the wreckage, they started to do Facebook lives. And the videos of the beginning of the flood is all over social media. <laughs> What do those videos show? Water running through the valley and into the sea. But in a big amounts that people didn't uh, see since more than 10 years. But this water back then, it didn't overflow. We still had electricity. We still had internet connection. Everything was still stable somehow. Even though there's wind and there's rain, but people were not much afraid. In that moment, I was following the situation moment by moment, raindrop by raindrop. Here while I was in Istanbul. Because I had good internet connection and I was connected with several people that I know from different neighborhoods. I was asking them about the situation. Everyone said that the situation is stable. Just a couple of hours later, when it's 2 a.m., we lost internet connection with Derna. A black hole swallowed Derna. No one knew what happened. That's the perspective from me who is outside. What people saw in that moment 
is that electricity went off immediately. After it, the internet went off. The moment when internet went off is the moment when the dam exploded and took everything in its way. In that moment, the huge, almost 25 to 30 meters wave was taking its way to eat Derna. When officials there try to communicate people, and there is a voice record that is circulating in Facebook with all the content circulating, when a Boy Scout leader telling the people, evacuate, evacuate now, the dam exploded, evacuate immediately. But that was too late. Because when military troops tried to go to the most dangerous places, in what we call tail of the wadi, those are the lowest places in the valley. When they went there, they asked for families to get out. But imagine the picture with me here. It's almost 3 a.m. A family that consists like my friend's family of 14 people. They have a little baby. They have women with them. And they hear people asking them to get out of the house. They don't know why. They don't know where to go. There is rain outside. There is a storm. They will say that to themselves, no, I'm in a good building that is high enough to prevent anything from happening to me. I mean, what could happen worse? You know, I won't go to this street. They stayed in the danger. They stayed in the death area. Because all of the people and even the people who told them to evacuate were taken away by the first huge flood that came and eaten everything in its way. The videos on social media is now unfolding. It's like doom day as everyone describe it. You would hear screams. You would hear sounds of waves. You would listen to, to water and babies crying, women screaming, asking for help. In one of the videos, a well-known scout leader in Darna, his name is Zuhair Azuz, is going to the place to know what's happening. When he's very away from there, he sees water all around the place. He don't understand how the water is even here. In that moment, the water overthrew everything in its way and it exploded into the city and eaten all of its center. They had water until the third floor of the building. The kind of, of, of flood that we are talking about is not just water. The flood came with huge amounts of rocks that when the dam exploded, it took the rocks from the dam into Derna, forcing it to go in a massive force and speed. That's what took the ground off with all the big buildings and threw them in the sea. So what's the city like right now? Let me just tell you that one of the buildings that was taken and thrown into the sea by, by the flood have more than 50 families living in it. Until now, we don't know where is that building. I'm talking for real. 
it's away from the sea, almost two kilometers. We don't know where is that building. All of the families were inside. They didn't expect such danger. There is a street called Jail Street in English, Shari Al Habs. That street is one of the oldest, most well-known streets in the city. Only one, one family survived from that street. You know why? Because they were the only family who had a fifth floor in their building. They went up to the rooftop. The family described the event of eating buildings and treating them like domino. A building falling on the other and falling on the other and so on. Taking people from their beds. I mean, I'm talking about 3 to 4 a.m. People are in beds not knowing what happened. Imagine you sleep in your normal bed away from any kind of danger and you wake up to see yourself swimming with different bodies, cars, refrigerators, furniture, houses taken and it's complete night. There is no any kind of light. There is no electricity. Don't know what's happening. Imagine what would you feel in that situation. Well, people for sure in my city felt and died in that situation. Imagine London being taken away by a flood. I mean, just imagine it. Close your eyes. Imagine a flood coming from nowhere and taking the central boss of the city. I sometimes believe that international community either don't know for real what happened or don't want to know for real what happened. A space like this in a podcast, sometimes you can tell the story in details. You won't have it in the news of three minutes telling what's happened in numbers. Those people are not numbers at all. That's what I always say. Those people are people that we know. Those people are love stories, friendships, dreams, ambitions. Those people are poets, are actresses, are football players, are people who are, who are well known all across Libya, are people who have names, are families who have roots. Those are my people. This is my city. This is me that I'm talking about. Joha, I'd like to understand why this flood was so destructive to Derna. And I want to know where you think that side of the story begins. Derna is always looked at as a rebel city. It's the city of refusal. Governments don't like Derna, Derna don't like governments. (laughs) In a good way, I hope. Derna, before the revolution, Gaddafi didn't like Derna. Because Derna produced, between two brackets, jihadists. And it was one of the hubs of the Islamists in Libya. Derna was a place which the ideas and ideologies of uh, refusing regime is always there. That's why the regimes neglected it. Hmm. Let's say that that's one part of the picture that authorities don't like the city itself. After the revolution happened, in just the first year, the situation was good in the city. 2012, we had elections for the first time. 
and things were going okay. But since 2013, the city lived in a security chaos. Large number of different militias controlled the city from 2013 until 2018. In 2018, Hefter came. Khalifa Hefter, which is the military leader of LNA, Libya National Army, which is controlling the eastern boss of Libya until now and attacked Tripoli in 2019 and couldn't capture it. So now he's controlling all of the east and south of Libya. Hefter is a military ruler. So when it was controlled by Hefter, it was the last city that falls in his control. He and all the troops that he controlled. So when they had full control of the city, they demolished the heritage of the city in the old city of Darna and neglected the city by putting a ruler who is the nephew of the head of the parliament in Libya. So why I'm saying that? I'm saying that to show the picture on ground, to show why Darna was neglected. Darna had no infrastructure. Darna had no repairment to its buildings rather than its dam. Two years ago, there was a paper circulating social media saying that, and it's true, the government made an amount of $2,500,000 for the repairment of Darna Big Dam. Yet nothing happened. So absolutely corruption is one of the main reasons that everything happened like that. I won't say that it could have been avoided, but much of it absolutely could have been avoided. Growing up in the town, do you remember people talking about the dam, thinking about the dam? Was it a presence at all in your lives? You know the kind of danger that you have in your life that is so serious that your mind try to neglect and leave behind because if you think about it, it will hurt you and you can do nothing about it. That's the way that we, we feel about the dam. All of the people of the city know that the dam needs repair. Coming up, can those who survived the flood now survive its aftermath? Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com ACAST. Today in Focus is supported by BetterHelp. Here's a question. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do with it? Watch TV? Read a book? Meet up with a friend? Maybe a little nap? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But for what? Perhaps to best answer that, you need to work out what's truly important to you, then make that a priority. Therapy can help you work out what's most important to you. It isn't just for those who've unfortunately experienced trauma in their lives. Therapy can be helpful for learning positive coping skills and for setting boundaries. 
It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash todayinfocus today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash todayinfocus. Joha, what's the situation for those who were able to survive the flood? What are their lives like now and what do they need to get through the next few days and weeks? First, they need clean water. That's an absolute number one. My family, all of the people that I know who survived this, they need access to clean water in their places, not outside. They need constant access to internet and phone connection so that they know what's happening because rumors kills people after such such a mess happens. And we have like day by day huge rumors that affects the people and their mental health and even their physical health. They need food. We need medicine. We have people who are ill. We don't have the hospitals in the city right now. The two hospitals that are left became graveyards loads and loads and loads of dead bodies are gathered there. So if you go to hospital and you are not ill, you will get illness there. We want our city back. We want to rebuild it. There is corruption on ground. On Monday, in Derna, hundreds of survivors of this started protesting, calling for an international investigation into the state of dams, into every aspect of this disaster. They also set fire to the house of the man who was the mayor at the time of this flood. And then yesterday, we learned that Haftar's militia that governs this part of Libya had stopped letting journalists into the city. And there are reports that Libyan journalists have been detained and questioned. Joha, given the fact that there are two governments claiming to rule Libya, given the crackdown on scrutiny and on the media... Is it even possible to know if people are getting the blankets, the water, the food, the shelters that are being sent to the city by donors? My brother, he told me that the school in front of his house had a huge truck of help that came to Darna. Since it came, a military car came to control it. When they couldn't, they called their support and they kept coming and taking by force some of the help coming to Darna. Let me tell you that those people who are taking the help are not from Darna. They are from outside. They are considered like occupation right now that the city is suffering from. One of my students, he was in Darna with aid coming from his city. He told me that people with guns run the scene on the ground. People don't only suffer from missing their family members and from grief and from everything that, that is happening all around them. They also suffer from guns that are still controlling the scene on the ground. People can document on the ground. 
military regimes and military way of thinking don't allow things to go out easily, even in such catastrophic situation. When I talk in, on Libyan TV, I always say that this is not the time to talk politics. This is not the time to talk about bad things happening on ground. We need to help people. Even if aid is not coming fully, I ask for the people who steal this to take just take some and leave some at least. Take some and leave some. Because we are dealing with, with a situation that is happening and the people are in huge need of help. We don't want to transmit a picture where the international community and the people who are sending help stop sending it because they know that it will not reach the people. No, no, no. We need help, constant help, huge scale help, professional scale help. So yeah, that's the complexity of the security and political situation on ground. This disaster sounds like it's a combination of the climate crisis and natural disasters, but also a failed state, the political instability and chaos of Libya. Totally, that is the description of it. That's the description of it. It's a combination of this and that. The catastrophe has happened, but what about now? We are still dealing with a catastrophe going on ground. That's the problem of running such a catastrophe. No one knows how to run it. We don't have a state. We have two governments, yet we don't have any government. Johar, is your family going to be okay? Do you think that they're going to be able to get through the next few weeks, days? <sighs> Let me be clear. I believe my family would, but I believe so many families wouldn't. You know why? Because we have relatives outside of Derna. Even if we left the city, we can go to their houses. Some people don't have relatives outside of Derna. Some survivors, they only survived and all of their family is dead. This conditions happens loads of times. We sometimes say, we hope that all of the family is dead. If one person would be alive, no, let them all be dead because that person will suffer all of his life. I believe my family would be good. I mean, the, my biological family. But I also believe that my family can't never be good because all of the people of the city are my family. And I'm not saying that metaphorically. All of the people of the city are connected. We are a small city. We are a city of no more than 80 to 100,000 people. And we are, we are losing our quarter. Imagine losing quarter of the people in your city. Imagine how many people you would know you would lost. I mean, it's, it's, it's unimaginable. And I can't believe that in Derna it's happened. One poet that died in this event, he said the poem back in 2006. Imagine that, huh? In Arabic, I will say it and then I will try to translate it. He said, He said, I will say that Darna is dead right now and it needs grief. May mercy be on, on his soul. Said that in 2006, not knowing that the situation would be X10 
more than that and worse when he die. And we will grieve him, telling his poem to everyone to listen for. Because maybe the people die, but their memory will never die. I promise them that. I will keep talking as much and as long as I have breath about my city, even when no one is caring. I'm afraid that I'm not up to this. I feel that this is way bigger than me. I'm telling the story of tens of thousands of people who are dead. I mean, that's a huge mission. That's something that I will look back in history and say to myself, was I wrong if I'm not with them back then in, in the city itself? Am I guilty somehow? Who are the people who are guilty because of this? Me, my friends, because we left the city, but we didn't leave it because we wanted to. We left it because we wanted to speak, but we spoke in a way that made authorities leave the city. So were we right or wrong? We, we are in a stage that we don't know what's right or wrong right now. We are doing our best to do what's the best solution possible right now. We are working with what we have with tools. But we don't know what will happen for real. We, we lost everything and we keep losing more than that. Joha, thank you so much for talking to us. Thank you for caring. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for providing the space. Please keep talking about us. We don't want to feel forgotten. That was Johar Ali, a freelance journalist based in Istanbul. You can read our continuing coverage of this disaster at theguardian.com. And that is it for today. This episode was produced by Natalie Ktena. Sound design was by Rudy Zagadlo. The executive producer was Elizabeth Kasson. And we'll be back tomorrow. This is The Guardian. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.